David Weimay is an American artist, author and musician. He has led an eclectic life, starting in a rock music band, before moving on to illustration, art and modelling, amongst other things. His debut children's book, I Go Quiet, has been a huge hit in UK schools for its sensitive portrayal of an introverted child trying to find her voice. The follow-up companion piece, I Get Loud, will be published in early July. David talked recently to Nicky Gamble from New York and told him more about his upbringing. I mean, I grew up in a very creative family. Um, my mother was a musician. My father was a painter. Um, I was always encouraged to be creative. It was always part of my life. Um, and uh, I ended up going to Rhode Island School of Design, originally thinking about going into art. And I ended up going through the film department, got a degree in filmmaking. I worked in film in the film industry. The, that was my first foray into to living in New York. Um, and I have always, always been drawing. And I, uh, I've always been a huge reader. Um, and, and I always had a dream of, of making a picture book. Attempted many, many times. Uh, and it just, just never felt right until this book. So I decided... I decided in the meantime that I would illustrate other works. Um, and that was a, it was a great kind of view into the process. Uh, I worked with some incredible um, authors, Robert Sensushi and, and John Southworth. And um, it was, it was a great joy, but it's a very, very different experience writing and illustrating a book because it's you know, truly mine. It's my responsibility. It's, it's truly my voice. And it was mm-hmm. uh the first book was quite honestly quite a difficult book to make on, on a, lo- a lot of levels. It was a very, very emotionally draining book mm-hmm. to make. I Go Quiet was um, was based on a very personal experience I had, whereas I Get Loud was a very, very freeing book for me to create. It was a lot of joy that I put into it. You know, there is a, a strong message of the, the characters in the book are being displaced, but yet there is a very joyful message in it. And, and that that kind of sprung forth as I was while I was creating it. Yeah, it's interesting. We will get into that in more depth, I hope, because there's lots of counterbalances between the two books. Lots mm-hmm. to talk about there. I do want to ask you about your street art. I've been yes. looking at your hoodie birds. Hoodie birds, yes. 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 So, yes. what is a hoodie bird? It came out of a doodle. Um, years ago and i just started doodling on napkins these these hoodie birds and these strange looking birds in in these hoodies and i've always been a huge fan of street art and and being in new york i was exposed to so much of it uh, i mean i've been in new york since the, since the 1980s and that was a very very different age of street art um then so i've really seen the transformation of it becoming a actually recognizes as a true artistic expression mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to where in the, when I first came to New York, it was really considered more of uh, graffiti or, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, noise really. So I started doing the hoodie bird in New York and then I've done it. I've done it all over the world. And I've, you know, I really stopped doing it when I started. Uh, I go quiet because that book really 
required a lot of my um, you know full full attention. But um, interestingly, I'm right now I'm working on a book for very young children, and um, it is it is with the hoodie birds. So that's actually going to be coming back into the fray. I'll be bringing the hoodie ba- birds back to life. Yes, <laughs> that's interesting. Maybe as we uh, uh, talk a little bit more about the books, we might see some connections across those mm-hmm. things. For instance, um, I noticed in some of your street art the patterning was very architecturally influenced and reminded me a lot of renaissance italy which i get coming through maybe late renaissance in in your um cityscapes and buildings absolutely uh, in your books as well and birds i mean let's face it the birds as well (laughs) the the birds are very are very very important in in both of the books i mean they're you know i mean the birds the crows particularly i mean they they represent Mm. new beginnings uh, rebirths and i think that 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 was, you know, using them as symbols was something that was um, very effective. And, and you know, I will, I will continue to use birds. I just think they're, you know, I love to draw birds and I just love their, the weight of them symbolically. Both books were very, very influenced by architecture. And I, I Go Quiet was particularly influenced by Peronese, who was the Italian, mm-hmm. um, the Italian architect. And he had done a whole series of imaginary prisons I and mean, they're just, just the most spectacular images architectural images it's a very very um imposing and um they, they really create a sense of of fear in a way and i and i felt that using architecture in that way of conveying fear would be a great way of, of representing the fear that the girl in the book was was going through with her own isolation anxieties mm-hmm. so yes architecture was very very important we talked very briefly about i go quiet because you've you have talked about this book quite a lot and there are there are interviews that people can listen to but for anybody who isn't uh, familiar with i go quiet it's <laughs> essentially about a young girl who's experiencing feelings of isolation and anxiety and it's about her coming to find her voice it has a a trajectory that starts fairly dark, gets increasingly dark, and very gradually actually emerges into some kind of lightness. You know, I wouldn't call it lightness. I would call it um, a hope. Um, I, I, I really, I really wanted to convey that we don't go through dark things, um, whether it's you know feeling like we are not heard or feeling small. I don't think we ever merge out of those things and fully just come into the light and everything is fine. We always experience these things. They're like, let's go back to birds. They're like birds. We'll always see a sparrow and it will fly away, but it will always come back. And I feel that that's the same thing with, you know, certain forms of, of, um, of anxiety and isolation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think the important thing for me that, was the end is is hopeful, but it's a, it's about taking little steps to get to a better place. It's not about rainbows and and um, unicorns. It's really about looking at it from a very very sensible place where we can move emotionally from mm. from darkness. It's a very personal story. It feels like an individual story, and yet um, set against that is a feeling that somehow society creates this problem. I'm coming at it from the images inside school, you know, Mm -hmm. the way that we require young people to be sometimes where they have no control over 
what that is like. And it reminded me in that sense of, I don't know if Pink Floyd are a band over in the United States. Of course, of course they are. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the vision of school, the sausage. Right, factory, right. You know, well, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's interesting because the book is, is published in Brazil and uh, in Portuguese, and uh, and there's been a lot of references. I guess Pink Floyd is very big in, in uh, Brazil, but there have been a lot of references to that. Um, it's funny because as a teenager, that album meant a lot to me. You know, it, it did influence. I mean, I think music in general um, is, is a huge, huge influence on on my work um, and also on, on the construction of the books. I mean, I use a lot of musical ideas and concepts to construct my books. Um, mm-hmm. my, I am a musician as well. And those, you know, that, um, that skill set really, I find is, is, is invaluable for looking at constructing a picture book. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that, but I think before we do that, I'd like to, introduce our listeners to I Get Loud so they know what the book is actually about. You tell us in your words. Well, I Go Quiet really ended up on, like I said, on a hopeful note, but there was a sense of, well, you know, what is the next step? And and I felt that it was really important to continue the story in a way that brought the idea of friendship and the power of friendship. And the, also the reality that we can fall out of those friendships. And in this situation, it was through a situation of displacement. Um, and the, the, the young girl and her friend are, are inseparable. They have this beautiful, strange relationship and they are separated. And I think that I mean, the UN just, just published a, a report, the, despite the pandemic we're in, um, displacement has increased. People are being forced out of their home due to conflict and violence. Um, There are 82.4 million people displaced worldwide and 42% of them are children. And it's only increasing. And it's, it's, it's been increasing, you know, for, for the last 10 years. So I, I, you know, I think originally the book was probably more about that. And I backed off a little bit. I didn't feel like it should be, that should be the subject, but I did want that to be something that was prevalent in the book and it's done in the background you you notice thousands of people moving and having to move their home moving out of their homes and re, the relocation so against that background is this really beautiful story of this friendship between these two girls and eventually they they are reunited and it really is the, the kind of message of hope that i just hinted at at the end of mm-hmm. of uh I go quiet. Mm. It's interesting because I felt that uh, when I read I Get Loud, that it was more of a universal rather than individual story. So it was, I mean, they both are to some extent, but whereas Mm. one felt very personal, inward looking, the other felt much more expansive and looking out to the world, I would have said. That's so interesting because I, one of the, one of the things that I thought of while making I get loud was how the conflict in the first book and I go quiet was an internal conflict. She was, she was struggling with her internal feelings. The conflict that arises in I go quiet is an external conflict. It's the conflict of, of having to flee your home. So, you know, they're, they're both dealing with at the core of the same thing, which is, you know, this, the weight of a conflict and how, 
how we can move through it and, and remain whole and remain together. Mm-hmm. And yet they're coming from different places. So mm-hmm. there, there's kind of a flip-flop of, of, of where, where that source is. And because you do it in these kind of strange landscapes, it becomes very timeless. It's mm-hmm. not about a specific conflict. I'm glad it resonates like that because I, I, I also feel that coming out of a pandemic that we've all felt a sense of displacement of, you know, whether it's personal or, I mean, certainly there's been um, politically around the globe, there's been a sense of displacement. And um, I think, you know, it, it could be read in a, a number of different ways and a number of different interpretations. As all the best things can. Um, I wanted to ask you about the music a little bit because Mm -hmm. the images are fantastic but the tech I almost said lyrics actually (laughs) one of the things that I would love to do with children with this book is and this is not out of disrespect to the imagery but Mm. I almost want them to experience the words without image and to see what mental imagery comes to them because the words are extraordinary and I wonder whether you wrote those separately or whether they came together with the image because they, they stand alone as well. They do. I mean, that's, you know, one of the most beautiful things about picture books. I mean, there is something innately musical about a picture book. The fact that you can read it in, you know, less than 10 minutes, essentially, just like, you know, a good song. And you can read it over and over or listen to it over and over, and it can reach a very, very deep emotional point, um, both picture books and music. So I see a lot of connections between that. I you know, previously illustrated other people's works, um, and so the, the words were always there. And as an artist, as being you know fundamentally an artist first, I always assume when I would be making my own picture books that it would arise from you know doodles or images. But it's not the case. I've actually written both I Go Quiet and I Get Loud. I wrote the words first. Mm-hmm. And I really did think of them very much as, as lyrics. It's interesting. I mean, a lot of people have said, you know, this is this is really a book. It's an illustrated book of poetry um, with both of them. And, it, you know, it is very poetic, but um, I think for me, it's it's more just coming from a musical place. You've said about drawing on musical ideas and musical structures. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that. There are so many elements to writing a piece of music, which is, you know, rhythm, dynamics, um, dissonance, and all of those can be applied to creating a picture book. I mean, there, there, there is a very, very strong sense of rhythm in each of the books. And that was fundamental for both of the books. That was, it's very much part of the, the kind of flow, the way they flow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the dissonance that's created with the architecture or, or the, you know, the water in the second book. I mean, they're, they're all, you know, I, I thought of them all in terms of, of musical concepts of how to construct a piece of music. And then certainly the idea of, of having the lyrics, which I do write lyrics before the music and then putting the, you know, the, the, the music to the, to the words, same thing, except it was just imagery. In a lot of ways, I've, you know, whether it's sitting down on a piano or, or sitting down with a paintbrush, I feel that they're, they're the same things. They're just different ingredients. I wanted to talk a little bit about how the images are rendered. I know you work on a tablet because 
I've done my homework and I've seen the, the yes, pictures yes. of you doing yeah. that. Uh, but your your street art must be made with physical materials. It is, yes. So what is it that rendering something, you know, on a tablet, what, what, what does that enable you to do that perhaps the physical materials don't? Well, I begin all of my artwork on paper. Um, it's And I start with um, black and white. And once I have the sketch finished, I'll scan the image and it's, it's scanned into my iPad and I work on the iPad. And the beautiful thing about that is that I can work anywhere. So just having that portability and always having my iPad with me, it never leaves my side. I'm always, always working on artwork. And I, it's, it's, it's just, um, it's, it's a process that I really, really enjoy. But once it goes into the iPad, I output it onto watercolor paper. It's basically printed on watercolor paper. And then I go on top of that and I add colored pencils. I put graphite on it. So it starts off physical, it goes to the digital realm, and then it ends up back on, on an actual piece of paper. That's interesting. You don't color on the iPad. You color with pencil. I lay down very, very much kind of blocked colors on the iPad. And then I do I do a lot more of the detailed and the shadowing and the highlights and you know um, just kind of bringing out the colors um, with the, with the color pencils or with the paint. Absolutely fascinating because in a sense I guess you can do anything. You know you can get texture on an iPad. I can take a picture of a you know a leaf on the ground and then I can literally make that that leaf the texture of that leaf the shape of the brush and then I can paint with that. Um, and it's, you know, it's very similar to the idea in, in music of having a musical sample of sampling a, a cat meowing, and then you can play the cat meowing on each of the keys and create chords. It's very much a, a very, very similar idea. Mm. Technology, it's wonderful, isn't it? So I want it to is. come back to some of the visual imagery in the book. So I'm going to come back to birds. Mm-hmm. So we had our corvids were of ravens and crows in the first book. And here we've got the Indian brown dove. I'm probably reaching too far here, but ravens and doves and floods remind us of a story of Noah. (laughs) Am I reaching too far? (laughs) No, I certainly, I mean, uh, there are certain references there. I didn't know if, you know, again, you just don't know if readers will pick up on these references, but I read so much about floods when I was doing the book. And I just, you know, I mean, I do a lot of research and it's a lot of it is just reading to try to get a sense of, of language and how the language will be best utilized to convey these, these things. So, you know, a lot of the references, you know, they, they just kind of creep up in the book. It's like, they just pop up and I'm like, Oh, that's where this comes from. You know, it's, 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 it's all very organic. I always think of those things as being the texture of a book that doesn't need explanation, but somebody's going to pick it up somewhere. Right, and right. Give them a resonance, a different kind of resonance. I love layered work, whether you know whether it's um, literature um, or poetry. I love the idea of layers, and and that's um, you know that those influences and those reference to me are, are just, you know, part of these many, many layers um, in the book. It's so interesting how it can reach emotional points in, in people. Um, and it may be subconscious, but 
I, you know, there's a, there's always discoveries to be made when you're thinking about building things in layers and layers and layers. Mm. And of course, they're there at the end on the wires, and the girls are looking up at their right. birds. Uh, one of the other things that struck me as a sort of counterpoint to um, "I Go Quiet" is the uh, presence of so much blue sky in this book. And whereas I felt um, I go quiet, there's there's a very striking image, actually, where she literally goes down into herself, you know, almost in that embryonic pose. Mm -hmm. And I felt that that was very much a a kind of book where there's a lot of looking down. And in this book, there's a lot of looking up to the sky and you've got the kites flying up in the sky and that was, you know, that was really conveying an openness. It was about opening her heart up to other people and to having a friendship. Um, it's it's interesting you brought that particular image up because I it was original that image of the girl. Um, it's she's just anguished. It's just like it's a very very painful image in a lot of ways. And she literally feels like she is in a smog. And originally, my image was just. It was just a small. And my editor said to me, this is the darkest the book is going to get. You need to bring it darker. And I was just so surprised because I already felt the book is so dark. I don't want to go darker. But it was so effective because she's going to emerge out of it. She is she is going to you know find books and, and be enriched. But th- this needs to be um, an emotional um, point in the book. And so that, that was a it was a very, very surprising um, editorial direction, but I think it's so powerful. So it was, so I think it was brilliant. Another thing that really struck me was the use of threads that connect us. There's, there are a lot of lines in the book, yes. whether it's the, the flying of the kite or the, the fishing line or the lines that are kind of connecting across the city. And that final image of the two girls and they have the line between them really kind of takes you back just as in I go quiet the first and the final images right speak to each other it's exactly the same here we've got two images that are speaking to each other there's no kite at the end of the line now there's another human another person and that's you know and they literally the I mean their friendship is really represented by those lines and when they are in the storm in the sea they are held together by this rope you know, on their journey um, to a new land on their boats and the storm gets so violent that one of the girls, she can't hold onto the rope any longer and they let go of each other and they eventually uh, float away from each other and then eventually come back. But, you know, those, that sense of lines and ropes and kite strings and all that was uh, an important way for me to represent the connection between the two of them. Mm. And as you say, the wind that breaks can also be the wind that binds mm-hmm. through the storm. We can perhaps come together stronger than ever. And I want to thank you so much for writing two books that are so profound and can be read on so many different levels by just about anybody from three to 103. Everybody can get something from these glorious works of art so david thank you so much for joining me in the reading corner today thank you so much it's been such a great pleasure in the reading corner is presented by nikki gamble and produced by alison hughes 
If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk. Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.